0: You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to the Women in Archaeology Podcast, Episode 9. Today, the panel is discussing the representation of women archaeologists in media, including video games, television, and movies. Today, we're joined by special guests Chelsea Rose from Time Team America and Megan Dennis from the University of York. Let's join our conversation that's already in progress. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Women in Archaeology podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I'm here today with my co-hosts, Kristen Lopez, Chelsea Slotin, Chelsea Rose, Emily Long, and Megan Dennis. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Okay. <laughs> today, we're discussing the representation of women particularly women as archaeologists in the media. We have a pretty robust panel today talking about not only uh, the regular media like news and television, but we also have games to talk about, video games. So what do we wanna
2: start talking about first? Let's talk about the Google searches that we all came up with. I know the keywords would change what came up in the end. I did a search myself for Female archaeologist and with images, actually, uh, very specifically. I was curious as to what would come up. There was mention of costumes earlier that had come up, which also came up for me. But I was very intrigued and surprised, happily, by some of the things that popped up. The first few photos were from the CNN article by Dr. Victoria Herridge, um, who was one of the co founders for Trailblazers Mm. or Travelblazers. Um, and that's the article that popped up at the very beginning of that. And I thought that was pretty neat. A few rows down, you have several photos of female archaeologists from the British website culture.24.uk, uh, which has just archaeology and history news. And they have a number of uh, female archaeologists that came up on that. Some Which I, you know, was happy with some of the results on this one. Uh, Changing the keywords did change a lot of the first page items that came up. Chelsea Rose, you were just above our lovely Laura Croft, which was kind of nice. And Whitney Baptiste also popped up, as well as Aaron Lloyd-Jones, as some of the more, I think, outspoken or prominent media archaeologists on the internet right
1: now. That's interesting because um, Google will change depending on your personal algorithm.
2: Well, that I guess would um, <laughs> definitely make sense, I guess.
1: But we do have Chelsea Rose with us who is formerly from American Time or Time Team America. How do you feel about being one of the top results on a Google media search? <laughs> uh
3: i guess it depends what the search terms are (laughs) but generally i guess um it's an honor to be listed as an archaeologist woman i guess (laughs) one time i did a bing search and uh confession here i googled myself um and on the top it shows what people have searched before with that combination and it was chelsea rose tattoos Chelsea Rose ears nice (laughs) and and Chelsea Rose hot so (laughs) well I was like huh
1: that's actually a good way to lead into that though because the fact that you I mean the fact that you came up with Chelsea Rose hot I mean is it possible to represent women in any form of media without them being judged on their hotness (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the answer to that well, I mean, it's just it's an interesting thing that I mean, that's kind of a neat being feature. I'm kinda of glad Google doesn't have it. I mean, we've talked about this before in other podcasts where we've talked about the portrayal of women and how they're uh especially when they're being talked about in a academic setting outside of academia. Like we don't talk about ourselves this way, but when the over when the greater media gets a hold of us, they start talking about you know, how pretty we are or how petite we are or, you know, our physical features come up before our mental or academic achievements come up.
4: A really interesting point with um, the excavations for a homo lady that happened a couple years ago. Right. Where the, you know, the I believe it was a six woman team was down in that cave and like the the main word that was associated with them was, like, skinny or slim. Right. Um, And on the one hand, yes, there were some pretty small gaps that they had to squeeze through. So, their stature was important, or their their body type was important. But But I don't know that it needed to be the center of the story.
1: Right. Chelsea Rose, when you were doing the TV show, did you ever encounter issues that other people brought up to you about your physical appearance or your physical body type?
3: Never. Oh, never. Uh, uh-uh. um, no, I didn't actually, I certainly wasn't chosen for those reasons. <laughs> they would, They could have come up with someone a lot better. Probably. Uh, that never came up. I mean, I would, people would jokingly ask if there was like hair and makeup people or something, which there was not in case anybody was wondering. Oh. Um, but no, Oh, huh, okay. I
1: honestly expected a different answer. Um,
0: <laughs> just Were because- you ever asked to wear anything in particular, or it's just always just kind of just be you? Um, well, definitely not in the, um,
3: the sense that you might be meaning, but like at one point in the first season, they wanted us all wear time team t-shirts and I'm not, I didn't really, I'm not a t-shirt person. So I wasn't interested in that, but I mean, that has nothing to do with male or female. And then in the second season, the only thing that they would try to get us to do is to wear stuff that was, um, kind of neutral because if they had to edit footage from different days together, you know? (laughs) So it was, you know, nobody, you know, this was PBS, nobody, um, you know, pressured in me in any of those ways or anybody that I know of, but um, people just wanted us to be ourselves and be comfortable. I guess that's that's just what I felt. The only thing I was more worried about was the stupid mic packs, <laughs> trying to accommodate those and microphone. You know, there was like logistical things, but I never felt like anybody was forcing the women to dress in a certain way or anything like that.
1: So okay, so basically, you never f- you never felt any pressure from the show based on your gender.
3: Never. never. Okay.
1: That's interesting because I I've, I've I have read other accounts. Now these are like second-hand accounts of people claiming that there were issues on shows like similar shows. And I could believe that knowing what I know about the media, mm-hmm. like television media and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's an easy it's an easy story to believe, but it's interesting to hear that that's not necessarily true and that actually makes me happy to know about PBS. So
3: Yeah. I I mean, I don't think they cared about anybody looking beautiful. In fact, they would have loved it if I had a total dirt mustache or something, you know, like (laughs) I don't think that there was any of those interests. But yeah, it was PBS. I'm sure if it was like Discovery or something like that, they might have something else, you know, the ratings in mind. They have a different demographic
2: audience, maybe.
4: Well, that's good because that's way more realistic. I don't know anybody who goes into the fields, super dolled up.
1: Oh, I used to know girls who would wear makeup out in the field. I never understood that. And that's just their personal choice. If you want to wear eyeliner in the field, that's that's all you, but I can't well, imagine. I think there's a difference
4: between just from someone who has some background in theater and the kind of makeup that you would necessarily wear in front of a TV versus just kind of generally. I certainly know plenty of girls who, you know, wear foundation and eyeliner and mascara every day, even when they're in the field. And that's just kind of part of who they are and that's great and wonderful but there's a difference between somebody doing that and asking someone who wouldn't necessarily normally wear makeup or even someone who would to really go all out
5: Um, right It, it gets into an issue of agency whether you're choosing to represent yourself as particularly femme or whether you're being asked to represent yourself as particularly femme in order to meet some sort of other um perception of what female archaeologists should
1: look like. I could understand in a television setting which I'm also surprised they didn't have makeup people, but I could understand in a television setting where they would have makeup, but in that sort of a setting even the guys are wearing makeup, so you know, they just want you to show up on camera for the most part, but yeah, like you guys are saying, I there's a difference between someone wanting to wear the makeup because that is part of their identity and kind of telling people that they have to wear it because that's the identity you want them to present.
2: And I think it's definitely, you know, gets into that PBS, which is very documentary and very uh, truth-seeking public representation versus something like Discovery or History Channel, which is known in the last, I don't know, say five or ten years at least, (laughs) to, um, yeah, budge and smudge things in, you know, different directions, because they are a larger cable network that, you know, is looking for what the public wants and will, um, I think, and not to say this is not necessarily something that is going on, but I think they may be more culpable to that type of need to satisfy whatever the public is looking for, whether that they want to have that quote-unquote, pretty adventurer versus, you know, Indiana Jones type or something. I wish
1: I could say that I can come up with a show that's been on Discovery or History in the last couple years that has a female lead or strong secondary persona so that I could, you know, relate the two. But I honestly, I don't think they've had a female on their shows
0: It's interesting you'd say that um when I was doing a bit of a google search the uh, society for american archaeology webpage has a whole thing dedicated to archaeology in the media. Oh. And oh. they have archaeology on television and you see the the digging for the truth and wonderfully time team america <laughs> uh-huh. and then just all kinds of like history channel and then a big list of movies and really not in any of them can you see a female lead. There's in the movie section. You have the mummy, where you kind of have the librarian. Eh, <laughs> eh, I wouldn't yeah. call her um, the lead. Is, like, they at some point, <laughs> 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 or she's like, "Use this instead of a like, pickaxe or
4: something." We're being very <laughs> generous with the term "lead." Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say I would exactly. not call
0: her it's the lead. Like, eh, but you're you're totally right. Like, I just I I really struggled to find anything that. Promoted or even just had um, a, a woman lead in anything, and that's a little disturbing, seeing as we make up, you know, at least half the field. So,
3: oh, I was just gonna say, I can't even tell you how many times I've had people approach me to do like the female expedition unknown or which I think is travel channel. I have to look that up, but um, to do like a female led archeology span series or adventure series and they never get off the ground. (laughs) So people are noticing that and trying to do it. But at the end of the day, the product or the TV stations don't think it'll get the ratings and they're not making those shows.
1: Well, considering who their demographic is that they've admitted who their demographic is, It's not a big surprise to me that they can't get a female led show off the ground. What does upset me is that with the exception of Time Team America, which had a pretty even split, we've yet to see another even passably scholar- scholarly archaeological show, whether it's female led or otherwise, since Time Would Team you America came count- off.
0: I mean, as a fictional, a fictional show, I mean, would you consider Bones at all? I mean, I have a, such mixed feelings Bones. about that I, show. Because, yeah. I mean, I know it goes into the, a realm of fiction.
1: <laughs> and I can't stand that actress. So it's like <laughs> on top of everything else, like the character is awful to me. To me, that's my personal opinion. So I, I
0: don't know. I have mixed feelings about that show. would you say it at least shows a somewhat positive light for at least forensic anthropology? I mean, I know she sometimes has some archaeology and they sometimes talk about artifacts, but that's the closest thing I can think of for at least a fictional show.
1: I think that show is the closest we're going to get to having a non-amateur-led archaeology show on television because it's purely for entertainment purposes. And I think there's a lot – I think her character speaks volumes as to what is expected from women in an academic position. Because I don't know how far back you guys can remember the show, but I watched it from the beginning. And her character was like – was like if you took somebody with severe Asperger's and then, you know, just compiled them by removing any ability to interact with a human being – that was the character they had and she and that's what bothered me so much is like yeah we could have a female academic on the television but she has to be completely disassociated from people to the point where i don't even think she understood sex jokes and i'm like no nobody who's gone through archaeology training doesn't fucking get a dick joke <laughs> <laughs> i i know that's rude but it, my point is she had to be so unfeminine and so unbelievably detached from the real world in order for people to buy that she could be a female, archaea- or a female archaeologist or a female academic. You she know, She
5: had to be distilled down into just her brain um, because the, the concept at that point with the show couldn't allow for her to have both the brain and sexuality. It wasn't that That just wasn't something that a, a woman scientist on TV could have,
3: right. I don't know if it's sexuality, but femininity, like the softness and the I don't know, yeah. you have to be, yeah, like neutral,
1: well, if you look at her foil on that show, which is Angela, I believe, mm-hmm. who, when the show started, Angela was just an artist. Like she didn't have an act. She didn't have any kind of special training. She was just a really good artist, and she was friends with the Bones character. And that was the foil. It was emotionless robot Bones. And then you had Angela, who was the flighty, free spirit, new agey artist character who didn't know anything about science, but she could totally draw this really cool picture. And she had the really cool program, which I wish existed because that was actually a really cool (laughs) idea. Um, But that those were the... I think they were originally the only two female characters on the show. And that was how women were presented to us in that show. I, I mean, I enjoyed the show for the first like four seasons, but I had such issues with the Bones character that I had a hard time with it. And I still have a hard time with the show because I don't feel like she's gotten much better as the years have gone by.
4: Well, and as she has progressed, there's been an element of Booth like teaching her how to it's be a woman. So
1: problematic. Yeah. (laughs) Which
0: is also very problematic. (laughs) Because mansplaining is the best way to soften a woman.
1: Right? That's all we're looking for is someone to mansplain to us how to be a girl.
5: And -hmm. she didn't really learn how to become a girl until he taught her how and until she had a kid. Yes. And suddenly she gets to be more feminine because she has
1: a child. Yes. Um, And I have some problems with that. (laughs) Yeah. After they spend, what, five seasons of her saying, no, I have no interest in children. Then all of a sudden she's like, I want a baby. That's, (laughs) I, okay, whatever. Because clearly that's what every woman wants. Deep down, secretly, (laughs) that's all we want. And I'm not knocking people who have kids. I'm just saying, when you build a character on the premises of them constantly saying, I am uninterested in children.
5: I am career focused.
1: Yeah, I I have a hard time believing that at the drop of a hat, she just suddenly decides she wants kids. Well, I, and I think she got surprised pregnant anyway, but still, my point being.
4: <laughs> when I think the actress may have also been pregnant at the time.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that's what that came so. down to, but still. Logical decision making? Yeah, I just, you know. I understand that concept, but... I don't know, like I said, I have issues with that show. What other shows are there that have a woman in that kind of a position though.
2: The only other, aside from the already mentioned Lara Croft in the Evelyn character in the mummy um, that holds, well, I guess Evelyn doesn't really hold the title of archaeologist, but she's been pointed out as one more or less in archaeology movies, ratings and discussions would be River Song in the oh, yeah. Doctor Who series. Oh yeah, me. the so, archaeologist who never does okay, archaeology yes exactly which is kind of hilarious because in the show her only use of archaeology or anything archaeology related is her going through time to use archaeology to get the doctor's attention which is entertaining to a point where it's kind of like okay so you go through all of this to get your degree and to become a professor who ultimately your entire goal is for this man which granted the character the whole premise of her character is you know i'll do a spoiler alert but her whole the whole premise of her character is <laughs> to kill him and like her entire being is sort of like goal of existing is to kill the doctor so that you know kind of makes sense in, in you know, gives some context to the fact that she uses her degree and everything that she's worked for in her life to pursue this one person. You know, it is science fiction. What are you going to do? But she is not oversexed. You know, she's not the Lara Croft. She doesn't have the flighty, non-thinking air about her at all. She's very articulate. She knows what she wants. She goes after it. She is kind of a no bullshit character and calls it as it is, does what she wants, doesn't care what anyone else thinks or does or cares. So she's very positive in that way. But yes, the fact that she's an archaeologist can be missed unless you see certain particular episodes. So yeah, Exactly. It'd be great if they showed, had shown her, you know, on some
0: excavations or something or like as opposed to her like defacing things to get a message out I, to the doctor.
1: <laughs> the first episode we ever meet River Song in and I'm, I'm going to flare my geek flag here is I believe the, the Library, Library of, of Silence.
2: Everywhere. Yep,
1: yes. And she is technically leading an expedition to look at the ruins of the Library of Silence when she meets David Tennant's doctor so we did kind of sort of meet her as an archaeologist ish kind of not really but you know she quote unquote dies in that episode anyway so i I think we all agree that we like riversong but yeah as far as her demonstrating her creds as an archaeologist they're very lacking let's go to a break real quick and when we come back we will move on to laura croft
0: actually (laughs) The Archaeology Podcast Network's conference channel is a collection of interviews from conferences around the world. Interviews are usually posted during the conference with minimal editing, so you, the listener, can be there virtually. Check out the conference feed at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash conferences. Now let's get back to the show.
1: And we are back, and we are going to talk about everybody's favorite female archaeologist, who isn't actually an archaeologist, Laura Croft, who is clearly defined as a tomb raider, always. Can I make some arguments on that statement? That she is always presented as the Tomb Raider, or that she no, is no—that she is actually an archaeologist. When did she? She does actually become an archaeologist at some point, doesn't right. she? Right.
5: You have this really clean split, uh, and I know this because I have a
1: paper coming up that I'm working on about this. Um, <laughs> Megan <laughs> is actually... our Megan is our video game expert right now.
5: <laughs> yeah, um, she in all of these earlier games, um, there's no real justification given for what she's doing, except for that she has a lot of money and she likes to go on expeditions and she likes to find things, and isn't that fantastic? When they reboot the series for the last two games that have come out, they sort of messed with her backstory a bit and it became quite polarizing within the community of people who are interested in Tomb Raider. They made her an archaeology student, uh, and they actually indicate that she has graduated with at least her uh her BA from an archaeology program in the first game out of the last two that came out uh, you actually meet her advisor you find out that she's been involved in other projects and one of the the things that I've been looking at when I look at this character in terms of the older games versus now is what does it actually mean that they credential her in these newer games we could kind of ignore what she was doing early on and say, oh, she wasn't really an archaeologist. She, would just, she didn't really represent us as archaeologists, or especially as female archaeologists. But now, within these games, it becomes very important in the narrative that she actually does have standing, that she is an archaeologist, that she is associated with the university. Um, and it, it changes, I think, the way that the player may interact with a character within the game because of giving her that, that status, that explicit
3: status instead of implied. Well, do you think the game makers were responding to something when they did that? They made that choice? I think that it is very
5: interesting to note that the head writer uh, for the last two games and for the comic series that have come out with that is female. Is, uh, she's actually um, Terry Pratchett's daughter. Uh, So, uh, I think that there's a a different perspective that's going on now, uh, and a more of an understanding that sending someone out to just loot stuff out of the jungle is not entirely acceptable.
1: Is she still looting stuff in the games? That's
5: what's interesting, is she does and she doesn't. You still go through the games and run into artifacts, but now they have these mechanics where when you find something you manipulate your controller, and you actually ID the artifact. And in some cases, it appears that you're taking the item, but in other cases, based on the graphics and the way that, that things are static versus moving, it seems like you're leaving them. And that's that's a whole nother discussion, because between the two games, it looks like uh, in the first one, you're dealing mostly with Western artifacts, and you... Um, oh no I'm sorry in the first one you're dealing mostly with eastern artifacts primarily Japanese and you seem to take all of those and then in the latest game you're dealing with a western context dealing with sort of a um, splinter Christian sect sort of group Okay. and you don't seem to be taking those artifacts so that's like a whole other issue of privileging western versus eastern uh, history yeah, that... But they clearly are making strides to show that, in some cases, she's looking at stuff, saying, ooh, this is great, this
1: is important, and then leaving it. That, that's a whole other conversation that we'll need to yeah. have at some point, the whole privileging one culture over another. Yeah. Um, now, something interesting to me, because I think, well, I think you're the only one in the group right now who's
2: playing the game. Am I wrong? Yes. I am wrong? Yeah, I played Tomb Raider when it first came out uh, many years ago, and then more recently did discover the first reboot, the Japanese one, and played it not all the way through, but probably about a quarter of the way in. And I was very intrigued and fascinated, partly, because, part, you know, there is a certain throwback to me in, like, middle school or something, uh, of, oh, this is kind of neat, they redid it, and then, you know, wow, they've really changed things in a positive way, in a lot of ways. One of the things I really liked that was very intriguing to me in trying to not just credential her, but they also made her more human, more girl. I mean, the the glitched boob situation from the first one um, that they kept, they actually, you know, they took that away. Uh, she looks like a normal person. She's wearing a tank top, you know, she is in, I don't know, it looks like she's in the jungle, quote-unquote, but if she's in Japan, that's not jungly. Uh, There's some really fascinating things I remember reading about, and you'll have to correct me on this, Megan, if I'm off, but the artifacts in the game are actual artifacts that they have in museums, and they did like 3D scans and sort of a bio or a little bit of the information from that is actual, like, that's the information from those artifacts. So it's not something, from what I understand, that they just made up. Those are artifacts that you could go see at various museums around the world. Yeah, some of them are direct, some of them are are
5: modeled generic copies, uh, and that kind of came down, I think, to do with rights management over
1: okay.
2: images. But, Make sure, yeah.
1: So that's interesting. I I remember when the the first reboot game came out because that's she's very young in that one, isn't she? Or she starts off very young in it, right out of yeah. undergraduate. And there's, I believe, the opening scenes are very kind of rapey. Like she doesn't herself get raped, but it's a very dangerous situation for her to be in. I remember this being a topic of conversation because I remember listening to some of my male friends play through the opening sequence and they, it didn't dawn on them what was occurring until after they had gotten out of the situation. And then they were like, Holy, shh!" you know, so that was interesting to me. And that is a very, uh, typical literary trope. I don't know how common it is in gaming, but I know it's very common so in
2: common in gaming. So. Yeah, so
1: it's it's a very tired trope for me, and it's a trope that you you only see used with female characters.
5: Yeah, unfortunately this is actually a trope that is becoming more prevalent instead of less. Really? My my thoughts on it is it's becoming more prevalent because we actually are adding more female protagonists to games. And it's sort of a a closing in on them. Um, you you can have a female character in a game. That character can be strong, but you always have to be aware that that character has limitations because they are female, um, and that they're always in more danger of certain things happening to them uh, in terms of their you know their weakness uh, or their ability to be injured by men in the world than if you had a male character.
2: I, I agree
1: with you there. I remember watching, did anybody watch the, um, Agent Carter TV series? It's not like yeah. one episode. Oh See? my God. It was so good. You she guys totally so need good. to go binge watch that. One of the interesting things about that show, though, is the Agent Carter character herself, who is not an archaeologist, but it kind of feeds back into what Megan was saying. In the television series, she gets wounded a lot. Like, on at least two occasions, I think she gets a shot. She gets shot through the stomach. <laughs> And on another occasion, she gets impaled on a stake. And of course, it doesn't hit anything vital. But in the TV series, you see her like effectively three days later, she's up and running around in her high heels and kicking butt. And my I remember having this conversation with my boyfriend. And he's like, oh, that's just I don't understand how she can just get up and run around like that. And I said, yeah, but if she was a male character, we wouldn't even be asking this question. If she was a male character, we would just assume that she could get up and run around again. But it's because she's female that it's breaking your wall of reality, and you can't accept that a woman, even a fictional sort of superhero character, can get up and run around just as fast as a male character in a same situation could.
5: Yeah, there's all kinds of things tied into the way that women are portrayed in terms of letting them get injured and whether it's acceptable to show injuring a woman versus they have to have that quick recovery because you don't want to look like you're uh, abusing the character as a woman it it's it's very weird and complicated and uh, in video games at least it becomes more complicated by the fact that you as the player are causing these things to happen so you have to look at What does it mean that if you give a a female protagonist to a a game and she constantly, like Lara Croft, has ways where you can just get her impaled and shot and like the cutscenes for death cutscenes in the last two Tomb Raider games are brutal. Uh, If you slip up by even a little bit, yeah, she's in a pit of spikes and you don't necessarily see that same sort of physical violence against women. You don't see that against men in the same sort of games. Really? Um, yeah, well, the, the closest analog to the Tomb Raider games in terms of gender disparity is, is looking at the Uncharted games. Has anyone played any of the Uncharted games? You really should. Okay. Um, they They're fantastic and fun, and I love them. But Nathan Drake, the male lead in these games, when he dies, he just falls and dies, and immediately comes right back to wherever you were and you start again. There's no massive, painful death cut stuff. He gets beat up, he dies, he comes back. Whereas in Tomb Raider, every time that she fails, she's physically punished
1: somehow. Hmm. That, that uh, actually this, sounds really disturbing.
5: <laughs> yeah. It uh, The cutscenes in, in the first of the Tomb Raider reboots that shocked me the first time that I died and I thought, okay, I'm, you know, I'm clearly not going to make this jump. It'll be fine. Oh, no, I don't get to just not make this jump. I have to watch like my skeleton come out of my body and wow.
2: <laughs> horrible,
1: horrible things. Well, okay, so here's a question. As non-gamers, now that Laura Croft has become a certified archaeologist, does that change our relationship with her as a character? Because before, she was a Tomb Raider, and it was called Tomb Raider for that reason. And we could say, Laura Croft is not an archaeologist, therefore I don't need her representing me as an archaeologist. But now that she is an archaeologist, does that change our relationship with that character and how she represents us as women as archaeologists? And this is for the non-gamers, so. Does that mean do you care more what she looks like and how she presents? Either way, I mean, it's your relationship with the character, so. I mean, you're going to relate with her differently than I, I I will relate with her probably. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, especially. I mean, she's always been white. So, I mean, if you're an, if you're a person of color or a non-white individual, you know, your only representation now is you know, single white female. Is that how does that change your relationship with her? Does she more or less represent you, or is it kind of static?
4: So, I think this has all been really interesting. As someone who is good at Mortal Kombat, because I can button mash faster than you can hit combos. <laughs> I'm, I, okay. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. I'm not a video game person. I funny. know about them. I think they're interesting. I will admit to have watched a couple of the like outtake YouTube videos where they just show the storyline for things that I think might be interesting. Um, you don't want to give me a controller. <laughs> Everyone on the team will die. <laughs> very, very bad. <laughs> but when I think about Laura Croft, I don't really think about the video game. I mean, I guess I kind of know that she came from a a video game and I know she came from a comic because I really like comics, (laughs) but when I think Laura Croft, my main image is Angelina Jolie in those two Tomb Raider movies that I'm sure we will talk about later. (laughs) They were interesting. Um, The are of the movie too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's great that she has gained some level of credentials or respectability, humanness that may have been lacking in previous incarnations of her. I'm not sure how much of an effect it's really having outside of the gamer community because it doesn't really seem to be being talked about outside of people who play video games.
3: That's interesting. Chelsea I never hear know. about, yeah, I never, other Chelsea. Other Chelsea, yes. <laughs> I never hear about Laura Croft at all. I, I mean, I never saw the movies. I knew Angelina Jolie played her, but nobody ever asked me. Everybody still asked me about Indiana Jones. That's interesting. So I guess she's just barely on my radar. I, I've never played the games or anything. So, you know, not that Indiana Jones being uh, that, it's not that he's the role model, even if you were male, you know. True story. There's problems
1: with that, too. Emily, what's your what's your relationship with Laura Croft?
0: Honestly, I mean, I never played the games, and I've always kind of had this kind of like negative attitude towards it, which is totally unfair. because I've never played the games, but well, why should so why I, is it negative though? Because I always like I've just only heard of Laura Croft as like people be like, oh yeah, she's hot, she's a hot archaeologist or something like that, and it's like that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like it's focusing so much on the gender and the body and then it just always bothered me like I had no idea she had credentials and I just figured it's just another another looter but being called an archaeologist and so it seemed more like a a negative um connotation as opposed to like oh yes here's a fun example of a fictional archaeologist was kind of like yep there's another another
2: looter yeah
0: (laughs) Um, and I Honestly, I hadn't heard anything about the, the credentials. So, I mean, it's interesting to hear that the, the developers are trying to make it a little more, uh, make her career a little more legitimate, and that kind of thing. And I'd just be curious to see with the games, do we see her going more in a direction of archaeology? Or is it like, you know, she's saving things or is she taking things? Like, I don't know. I, I think
1: that's a conversation that we are going to have on another show. Just because it is a conversation that I feel like needs to happen, um, but we're not going to cover it on this one, I don't think. But I'm—I have the same kind of relationship with her as you do because I've never liked the Laura Croft character because my visions of Laura Croft are the early game visions, where of course the, the artwork was crap because all the artwork was crap back then. But it's she was a overly sexualized character that was a looter. And I didn't appreciate the, the over-sexualization of a character. It's one of the reasons I stopped reading a lot of comics, especially mainstream comics, because I got tired of spray paint boobies. And she was just another version of that. Uh, she was just a video game version of it. So, yeah, no, I know. And I didn't realize that they had given her credentials. And I'm like, Emily, it, w- it would depend on how they're handling the actual archaeology as to if my opinion improves or not. Because if she's still just snatching and grabbing, I mean, how's that any better than what she was doing? Now she just has a PhD after her name.
4: We're making, if she is still engaging in the same type of behavior, but only doing it under the auspices of having a degree, that is also a problem because archaeologists are not tomb raiders. Right. And on a slight offshoot that I was thinking, I would be interested in looking at some of the, the more recent comment comics that have been written by women. I recently, for one of the anthropology classes that I was taking, did a linguistic analysis of strong female figures in comic books hmm. and found that while the narratives of them may have changed to woman having more agency, the language used around them was still very, very patriarchal and that it couldn't seem to really get away from those Tropes. old boy mot- motifs that you see in so many comics. Yeah. But that may also be a conversation for another day. True. Chelsea Rose, did you want to... Oh, yes.
3: Yeah, I just was curious how many... Is Is there any other games about archaeologists? Is Laura Croft the only one? And just They're like expired. it seems like there's just Indiana Jones and Laurel Croft, or Laura Croft in general as like the archaeology in the popular culture. But there's more?
5: Yeah, she's definitely the only one that I would say has entered mainstream non-gamer culture, but there are other games that feature female archaeologists. And there's what about a, male?
3: What about male archaeologists? Just archaeologists yeah, in general. Yeah, there's
5: quite a number that have male archaeologists. Mm-hmm. That I would say that's definitely this the more common representation. But there are some female archaeologists that are in games. There's a female archaeologist in the Mass Effect franchise of games. There are some female archaeologists coming out in some of the smaller games. I just got done playing a game that features a female student archaeologist at field school. Uh, and the whole game is based at, at a archaeological field school. Um, and that was an interesting representation, especially because the game is a Japanese-style dating sim. So it <laughs> gets very weird to combine the fact that this game does pretty good archaeological outreach and pretty good at explaining what it's like to be a college female in foreign field school, but it also is a Japanese dating
1: sim. <laughs> so and, um, I just like that you just admitted to playing a Japanese dating sim on the air.
5: Oh, I did a whole I did a whole um video stream of it that's out there me playing the Japanese dating sim. Okay, so we definitely I'd, need I'm the link to that for one. the show.
1: <laughs> All right. We're going to go to break real quick. And when we come back, we will continue our discussion of women archaeologists in the media.
0: Hosted by archaeologist Emily Long, Trial Tales is an archaeology podcast with stories told by archaeologists about the crazy world of archaeology. Emily weaves a tale of wonder and excitement with her intriguing questions and imaginative editing skills. Check out Trial Tales today at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash Trial Tales. Now let's get back to the show.
1: And we are back and we are still talking about the way women are portrayed, uh, especially female archaeologists are portrayed in the media. And Chelsea Rose brought up a really great question. Would you like to repeat it for us?
3: Sure. So, I mean, I'm just curious to see, since everybody's been talking about this and um, thinking about this, uh, what would you guys like to see going forward? I know when we did uh, season two of Time Team, it was funded by National Science Foundation. So there was a lot of thought put into STEM science and reaching out to, to kids and young women. And that was definitely something that was on my mind, especially with season two is trying to create situations where there was good opportunities for role modeling and that kind of stuff. So I'm just curious to see if you had a perfect pitch for a show, you know, what would you, what kind of archeology span would you like to see in there? And what kind of women would you like to see in there?
1: Well, I like my go-to idea, which is a reality television show where you just take like 10 archeologists and have them live out of the same house during a like six week long dig. And the hilarity that will ensue from that—I know it's a horrible <laughs> idea, but I so want this show to happen. I just want people to see what archaeologists are really like. You know, I think
3: it, that could happen. Are you willing to actually do that?
1: <laughs> oh man, You're I would so- sign up for that. Oh I yeah. think it'd be hilarious. I think it would be funny <laughs> as all hell because it's just like. You know, you follow us out into the field and watch us do the work all day, which would be boring as all get out. But then come home at night and it's like, what does everybody, what do archaeologists do at night and just watch everybody go to their separate rooms and just start drinking alone? And it'll just be really funny, I think. And every, it'll be like the worst show, but the best show, too. But that's that's just my experience. <laughs> I don't know. I'd do it, maybe. They'll make you do camera confessionals. You know that, right? As long as we can do them drunk, I don't see why that would be a problem. I think that
5: would be encouraged, actually.
1: Right. I was just saying. I got I got eighty centimeters into that clay today. I just fuck that clay, you know. <laughs>
0: I think there like it would something be something like the the real um real wives, but like the real archaeologists <laughs> of Litch <laughs> County or something. I don't know if that's like positive role models. Yeah, I was going to say. I, saying.
2: Saying. <laughs> I think it would be neat to be able to show just the wide variety of the type of archaeology that's done. Everything from academia to public archaeology to uh CRM and museum studies, abroad, domestic. I mean there's stuff everywhere. I mean you have the we just mentioned earlier the video game archaeology. There's modern uh archaeology, the whole garbage project. Yeah. Offshoots of that, uh to prehistoric and then historic. I think it would be kind of neat to have vignettes of, you know, an episode here of women would probably be in an episode because at least in a lot of the places I've worked, at least half, if not more, uh, there's at least one firm that I work for that is 90% women. We're just inevitably going to be there. So you have different uh, environments, different types of work that we do as archaeologists. It's not just one or the other, you know, academic versus CRM. There's a wide variety out there, as we mentioned on a previous show.
1: Yeah, no, I think that'd be awesome. Like, have a like a season one, and you just kind of have like a forty-five minute episode where you're just focusing on one kind of archaeology each episode. That would be really cool.
5: Mm-hmm. See, my cool. idea for a dream show is completely different than that.
1: <laughs> go, Megan. Go.
5: Mine is having a a show that follows multi generational women archaeologists. So you oh. show some episodes that talk about like the great-grandmother who was doing, you know, archaeology and and exploration in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and then you show her great-granddaughter or whatever who's doing archaeology during World War II, and then you jump forward to her great-granddaughter who's doing archaeology now. You sort of tie them back together with each other in some sort of narrative so that ultimately they're all working on the same sort of project or coming to the same conclusion, but it would show how different archaeology has been through time and how different women have functioned within archaeology through time. And also there'd be fantastic costumes and really good <laughs> locations.
1: So do you have a particular family line in mind? I mean, do we have a, or I know that a dynasty like that is common with our male counterparts, but do we have a female dynasty like that with the exception of the leakies?
5: No, I think you would have to, you would have to, um, fictionalize it but i think that there are enough when you look at, at the work that trailblazers has been doing there's enough early and mid-century archaeologists that you could probably draw on those experiences it would be a fictionalized account It'd be it would be entertainment but there's enough that you could probably do something that was representative of what these experiences were like for women
1: i think that would be a great idea actually and to to go all the way back start at the 17 the late 1700s and work your way all the way up to the 50 well to the 2016s now. Yeah. That you could definitely keep a season going with that. I'd like it as a video game too just because I like video games more than TV.
5: Uh, <laughs> but, but it is not likely that I will be able to find a game developer who is interested in developing that project with me.
1: I don't know man with No Man's Sky you may be able to pull that off.
5: Oh god, maybe cross fingers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> would be fun.
5: So I actually
4: probably also have a very different idea of what I would like to see. Um, I think it would be really great to just see archaeology in general that's really well done. Because I will admit, you tell tell someone you're an archaeologist and everyone goes, oh, Indiana Jones! And we all go, no, no, that's not actually what I do. So, but at least with archaeology, people have a starting point. A lot of times you say anthropology and they go, what's that used for? Right, right. But I would like to see a more accurate public representation of archaeology as a discipline, and as much as I think that there could be some very interesting women in archaeology shows, such as the um, somewhat fictionalized one that was proposed for like dynasties of, of female archaeologists, I think that it would be very nice to just have a show about good archaeologists that happened to have women on it, that happened to have men on it, that happened to have them doing the same jobs.
1: So, so you want Time Team America to come back, basically. Sure.
4: Yes. <laughs> yes. <I've never laughs> only with
1: way Time more America, money.
4: I apologize. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we just want you guys to have lots more money. That's all we really want. Yeah.
5: <laughs> that'd be great. It's funny because being in the UK, that show is, the, the original is such an institution here. It's still brought
1: up as the archaeology television. Well, they just ended a couple of years ago, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've been on the air for a long like 10 years, wasn't it? No, yeah. 20 years. Oh, Jesus. So oh, I was it's been a really long
5: time. Yeah. Yeah, it was 20 years. Wow. So there's there's even good role models in terms of when you when you talk to I've been working with first year undergrads and you talk to them about where do you see women in archaeology and that's still their reference point. That's yeah. good though. Yeah. So I I wish we still I wish we still had that going for the US. I wish we had that going again in the UK. Um, because these these Role models need to be there. They, we need to be showing the new generation this is what it looks like to be a female archaeologist so that they get it from something reputable instead of from what I think a lot of us get it from, which is going to our first field school and having to figure out how we're supposed to behave. Yeah.
3: And and I kind of agree with that. If you build it, they will come format where you just need to make a good show about archaeology and women will be in there. Yeah. When we did the first season of Time Team, Meg Waters was pregnant. And um, throughout the different digs, she was increasingly pregnant. And the show never talked about it. I mean, it wasn't a secret or anything, but it just like she was doing science, you know. It wasn't about her being pregnant. And um, a lot of people afterwards – mentioned to us that they really appreciated that, that, that she could just do her job and just happen to be pregnant and it didn't have to be all about that. And, you know, I'm not a mother, so I didn't think about that. But I, I, you know, I realized that that was a cool thing that I didn't even, I don't even know if that was a deliberate choice by the producers or not. But yeah, it was just women doing their jobs, just like the guys doing their jobs. And I think that
0: that
1: was powerful for some people. Emily, if you could have the perfect show or the perfect role model, what would you do?
0: Oh, I I love the idea. Like I do think it'd be very difficult to get um, something that is relatively representative, an actual TV. So like I I would love to see a really good web series similar to what you all have been talking about, uh, the dynasties, um, real archaeology, just various web series that people can easily go to on YouTube showing a variety of different kinds of archaeology um, archaeology throughout time people doing different kinds of things so just all kinds of genres within a web series so I can't think of something with just like a, a show I think there's just so many opportunities to do uh, multiple things something like YouTube or oh, what is that I don't know, like Vimeo Vimeo something. yeah Vimeo. And there's already like a couple great examples. Uh, the Friends of Cedar Mesa are doing a wonderful web series on how to properly visit archaeological sites and they have men, women, kids all just just present showing that really anybody can, you know, be an archaeologist and here's how you visit archaeological sites and this is archaeology. So I think that's already a great example and a great role model. If we can get more of that kind of thing out there, I think that would be a really positive impact on the field. I like your idea, though, of having it on the internet.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you because that's the, probably we we mentioned Google at the very beginning, but we really haven't talked about the internet because it's so amorphous. Yeah, I mean you're right. Getting something like that on TV might be really difficult, but the internet's the internet, and if you know statistics keep if uh, the stats keep go keep going the way they're going the internet gets way more eyeballs than television does anymore.
3: And they have way more money. Netflix and Amazon have more money for TV production than um, a lot of the channels do.
1: That would be amazing.
3: Yeah. Um, But you should, Emily, you should make something like a lot of that stuff, you know, is a little bit more, there's potential to like make something like a pilot or something, get it up there. I think a lot of, a lot of this is, you know, it's, it's, easy and there's good reason to critique all the TV that's out there. But more archaeologists have to be feeding the ideas. And ultimately, the gatekeepers will be the the venues to play the media like the TV stations or whatever. But the internet is the level playing field. And if you get enough viewers, then somebody will take notice and Netflix will make a documentary or something (laughs) or a series on it. But you have to have
1: time. It takes a lot of time to pitch all this stuff. <laughs> it takes a lot of time to make the videos. I used to have a YouTube channel and for various reasons. With
3: videos? Hmm? With
1: videos on it? Yes, I had actual videos on YouTube, not just like a picture and then me talking for an hour. Um, <laughs> like so many people do. I do not understand. Uh, no, I, I tried to do a series of videos. And the, the editing, the time that it goes into recording it and editing it, and then getting it posted and all that, it takes a lot of time to do that. And my videos were only 15 minutes long at the the long, long end. And it would take I mean, the filming of it could take a couple hours and then the editing could take over a day or more, depending on how bad I did at the recording. So I'm not trying to discourage people at all. I YouTube is in a or video the video medium is an amazing way to reach people and I have people constantly asking me to do videos again. I'm just like I between doing this between doing my blog and doing the podcast, I I don't have time. Did you go out to sites or were you just
3: were you talking about
1: archaeology or did you go out and I was I oh. was just talking about archaeology. I was mm-hmm. just a talking head. I mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean if you want to do something like that, like go out to the sites and interview people and actually go and see that takes even more money because you've got to be able to get there. You've got to have the equipment that can videotape while you're there. There are people that can do that, and they do amazing jobs at it. But myself is just like at the time I was still in college, you know, I just didn't have the money or the time to do something like that. But I could sit on my couch and put the
0: camera in my face and talk for 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> and I mean, that's, <laughs> you that's better than nothing.
0: What'd you oh, say? I was just saying it definitely takes a team of people if you mm-hmm. want to do a large scale thing or even – I don't know, even a small scale thing where you want to go outside your house. Yeah. <laughs>
3: but, it's, but it's possible. It, take, oh, it yes. takes some capital and it takes some work, but it's possible. I mean, yes. we're we're filming um, our field school this summer, as much of it as we can. We actually are bringing out a, a couple of media students just to get all the footage because we made a 15 minute video for that preservation 50. I don't know if you guys seen that the 50th anniversary of the National Historic Preservation Act. So I made one of those videos and realized like, oh my gosh, I have no footage of all the cool stuff we did. Um, So I'm trying to never have that happen again. But once there's footage, you know, I'm lucky I work at a university. So I have access to students um, to try to find really creative ways to package the stuff, you know, to get it out there.
1: Yeah, I'm not trying to tell people not to do it. It it, it is difficult and it's a labor of love. <laughs> but yeah, if you've got a friend with a camera and if you've got a couple buddies, do it. Get them, get them involved with it. Do it. Have them trek with you out in the woods. You know, it it doesn't take a lot. And anymore with the phones these days, you could probably film a good twenty percent of it on your phone. It's just be aware it's going to take a it's it's a time commitment. But if you can get that to pay off. I mean, if you can get a really good video out of that, like the 50, the, the 50 sites, wasn't it Mm -hmm. the 50 sites project? I mean, that was, that was actually a lot of people. I remember the state of Indiana was talking about doing that. And there were a lot of people pushing back because they're like, oh, we just can't do this. And I'm like, no, really? We, we can do this. Really? It's really simple. And once they figured out how easy it was going to be for them to do it, it was no problem.
2: Yeah. I mean, to have the students to source from, like you were saying, Chelsea, it's (laughs) with I think, at least for myself, I am not nearly as tech savvy as I should be, and it's nice to be able to have, to pull from people that are more experienced with it, the, you know, younger generation just coming in tends to have way more just, that's what a lot of people I know spend their, you know, uh, extra time doing is making silly videos and editing them and you know it's a hobby and those hobbies can come in handy for the rest of us. Exactly. All right, we've
1: got about 2 minutes left in the show. Do we want to wrap up on any particular concept or do we want to revisit something real quick? Video games. I just games? want to encourage everyone to play video games
5: <laughs> and see what it's like to play video games. <laughs> I think as women, uh it's very interesting to see what society thinks of you by playing these games.
4: That's a good point. I actually think it would be a a great idea if, um, and I think you mentioned this website when we went to to break, but if we could put in the notes, any good websites to kind of access video games that have to do with archeologists or female archeologists.
5: Yes, there's a couple people working on this. um, So yeah, I'll, I'll provide some links for the show notes. Maybe some and-
4: tutorials on how to actually play video games. <laughs> they, all, have those
5: too.
1: they all have walkthroughs. They 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 yeah. they do walkthroughs these days, so that like if you're like me and you're archaic and you don't remember how how the, the little devices work, they'll teach you. All, all right, right. <laughs> I would like to push like with Megan pushing for uh, video game play. I the internet's an amazing thing. We can make our own media at this point. If you don't see the role model that you want out there. I think you should take Chelsea's advice and go make your role model. Be the role model you always wanted. Uh, this is especially important when it comes to people of color and uh, non-white archaeologists who, I mean, let's face it, there's not a lot of representation for them out there. But there's there's the internet. I mean, start a blog, start a Twitter feed, start a Tumblr, whatever the hell that is. Um, Snapchat, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but get it out there. Make some videos and let people I, I, know.
0: I, I... Hmm? make a podcast do
1: make a podcast and if you if you're shy about a podcast feel free to contact us and pitch me an idea because I got a guy who would really enjoy probably talking to you about a podcast And
5: I have a group of about seven female undergraduates who would love to help you with your editing
1: my editing my podcasts yes you have my attention
5: Yeah, I just got done doing the archaeotech podcast with um, the students that I worked with this summer.
1: Yes, and we will link that and, in the show too.
5: Yeah, and they um, we only had one male on the course. All the rest were female undergraduates. Nice. And the entire thing was teaching them tech skills. And one of the big things that they did was audio editing, and they just fell in love with the whole process of creating and working with archaeology and heritage in a in a creation standpoint so excellent yeah if you guys need uh you know some help i can guarantee they'd be glad to talk to you
1: good good and then you've said that on air now so i have this on record (laughs) (laughs) well everyone thank you very much for being on the show with us chelsea rose thank you very much for coming back onto the network again Oh, thanks for having me. No problem. And if you ever want to come back, there's always space for you. Megan, thank you for making time out of your way off of us time schedule to be on the podcast with us. I'm going to bed. (laughs) I bet you are. two in the
5: morning and I have to be up again at 4.30. I don't
1: don't understand why you can't run on three hours of sleep. This just makes no sense to me. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody else, thank you very much. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. 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 We hope you have enjoyed the show. Please be sure to subscribe and rate our show wherever you listen. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and probably whatever your favorite podcasting app is. Remember to like and share. If you have questions or comments, you can post them in the comments section for the show at the Women in Archaeology page on the Archaeology Podcasting Network site. Or email them to us at womeninarchaeologypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. This show is part of the Archaeology Podcasting Network and is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. You can reach them at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Music for the show was Retro Future by Kevin MacLeod, available at Incomptep and royalty-free music. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www archeology
2: Contact us at Chris at archeology